Welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. We are back this week with a review of the 2018 film called Tully. Sarah, do you want to give us a IMDb summary as yes. our tradition? Yes, I do. It wouldn't be a review if we didn't have an IMDb summary to kick it all off. So <laughs> Tully is about a mother of three hiring a night nanny to help with her newborn. Awesome. So it's it's interesting. We kind of stumbled across this film. Um, it wasn't one that we had decided on that we wanted to review and have for the podcast, but um, it really kind of came happenstance and um, in a flurry of two days, we have to review this film for the for the podcast. It's a perfect film. There's a lot to discuss. Um, so I was flying back this past Friday um, from Seattle back to Dallas and was looking for films on the flight to watch. And um, I had seen this one. I'd roughly heard about it. There's another podcast that we love that had done a review of the film. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'd love to watch this one. We'll see what happens. Um, and so I started watching it. I was about halfway through and caught home was had so many mixed emotions about this film which we'll definitely dive into later um but i had it was briefly mentioned that there was this huge um plot point at the end of the film and so me being me i was like curious and i just had to finish it um went on amazon prime rented it for 5.99 to fulfill my curiosity and finished watching it and I was texting Sarah the entire time and I was like, Sarah, I don't know how I feel about this film. It has so many mixed emotions that it's drumming up inside of me. Have you seen it? Please tell me you've seen it so that we can talk about it. Um, and of course, Sarah then was then uh, bit <laughs> by the curiosity bug as well. So <laughs> here we are now. We have both seen this film. Many uh, different emotions after watching this film and Many of them have evolved and changed as we've had more time post seeing the film to ruminate on it and kind of sink into our teeth into it a little bit more beyond our, those initial reactions. So we're excited to dive in. We thought oh, films like this are just perfect for us to kind of pick apart and analyze and they're so powerful. So um, we thought it would be perfect for us to talk about. Yes, definitely. When uh, Jen was texting me and like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this movie. Oh my gosh, I need you to watch it. I'm like, okay, well now I have to <laughs> like, and then I went on to IMDb and I looked it up and like the description was not interesting to me. The cover art make me feel super uncomfortable. It's like, okay, this is not a movie that I want to watch, but you're so conflicted by it that I have to watch it now. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad that I did. And that we're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, just yeah. because this is a perfect example of, like you said, like, man, this was a powerful film. And we've talked about this since we both watched it, that it's um, really effective in what it was trying to do. And it communicated so much so well. So even though it's not a movie that I would have chosen or I would have sought out, it wasn't a movie that I particularly enjoyed watching it while I was watching it. Um, 
I'm so happy that I did. And now that we've had time to think about it, I really enjoy this movie in hindsight for what it does and what it accomplishes, though I probably wouldn't watch it again because of how (laughs) uncomfortable I was the entire time. But it was definitely a well-done film, and I'm so, so happy that they created it because I think it it definitely serves a purpose Mm -hmm. in, you know, the landscape of movies we have available to us. Yes, yes, I totally agree. And um, this all happened within, I would say, 36 hours. So (laughs) if that's any testament to how excited we are about this film and to dive into the discussion today, um, from watching it to recording today, it's been about a 36-hour flurry of us discovering this film, ruminating on it, trying to figure out how to feel about it, and then recording it, um, and having had a little bit more time now to digest it a little bit more. So I think we've begun to touch on it, but maybe let's start with, before we even get into a lot of the plot points, and especially the ending, just what were your first initial reactions? What did you think about this film? And what are the pieces that you found very powerful? Um, I have to say that I, uh, was cringing for a good, I don't know, 87% of this film. And then, uh, the other 13%, I'm pretty sure that I was making a Nick Miller grimace on my face. (laughs) So (laughs) there was just a lot of, uh, Jen, what is this movie? Why Mm -hmm. are you making me watch this? What is the point of this? why what yes. am I doing to myself like it was just a lot of I'm not understanding why I'm watching this movie mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> yes and I, I I provided full fair warning because I said Sarah yes you knowing did. you and knowing this film you will be shriveled up into a little ball watching it but I promise oh, so it true. will be worth it hopefully hopefully um Yes, <laughs> but now in hindsight, I'm really, really glad that I watched it. Um, but it was just, um, I feel like it was so honest about so many different things. Um, I don't have any kids and I don't plan on having any kids. So this uh, was a really interesting look at uh, motherhood and how hard it is. Um, there were times when, uh, the newborn would start crying in the movie and I would mute my computer because I couldn't listen to it cry. And so I'm just going, Oh my gosh, how is this mom like dealing with this screaming, crying newborn? And then these two other more grown up children, one was like, eight and Mm -hmm. one was like four or something like that um and I'm just going oh you poor woman I can't handle (laughs) listening to this child cry how are you doing all of this (laughs) funny story about that too um later that night so Sarah had already finished the film I believe and later that night I was out grabbing some sushi and I texted Sarah and I said oh my gosh there's a 
there's a newborn baby crying behind me. I think I have PTSD. What do I do? And Sarah goes, where's the mute button? With many exclamation points and question marks. Um, so, yeah. And, and typically, I think in films, they kind of uh, have a newborn crying and then, you know, it either quiets down or they cut away or, you know, it moves on. That scene in particular, not to dive too much in before we, we kind of talk, but um, – that scene in particular, that that newborn's crying for a solid couple of minutes in that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just, as a viewer, have to sit with it. Yeah. Ugh, it was unpleasant. Yeah. I didn't like it. So if any of you are moms out there, I just applaud you. You are an amazing human being. And thank you for all you are doing for our world and caring for your family. You are incredible. Yes. Yeah. I I echo a lot of the same thoughts. Um, This definitely is not a fun Saturday night out. You've had a long week at work. You want to go see a film, eat some popcorn. This is not one of those films. And it's funny. It was listed as a comedy slash drama. So I kind of went into the film expecting something a little bit more lighthearted. I think the entire premise kind of reminded me of baby mama um Mm. where it's it's really funny and it's a similar concept where there's this young um kind of teenage rebel rebellious looking type of um girl that comes to help a older um woman who's a mom and really struggling and i there's a lot of comical moments that are possible so i kind of um was thinking of baby mama similar premise went into this film thinking it was going to be similar. It was very much not similar. Um, I think it definitely has some comedic lighthearted bits. And if you watch the trailer for this film, a lot of the comedic bits are actually in the trailer. Um, So just disclaimer, the film um, is a little bit more, uh, has a lot more to say than just a fun, entertaining film. Um, it was funny. It was interesting. I was reading an article about this film, actually, and the person who was in charge of marketing for the film had mentioned that they particularly included a lot more of the lighthearted moments in the trailer of the film on purpose to help it be a little bit more marketable, to kind of draw people in a little bit, um, which makes a lot of sense. This film is difficult I think it's a difficult one to to sell and to entertain and draw people out to the theater. Um, but that feeling of uncomfortableness and um, having to grapple with the situation that this family was in is simultaneously one of the reasons I initially hate, really didn't like this film because it just, oh, right? But is also why I love and appreciate this film because it is, able to draw such a visceral reaction in me and any film that has been able to do that they've done something spot on and so accurately and so effectively um but also it's kind of important for us to feel that right um it's a a scenario and a situation that i don't find myself in right now um you know i'm a single working woman in her 20s um family and raising three children that's a distant future um but being in my current life and what what is important to me and all the things that are often swirling in my mind it was really powerful to kind of 
get a little window. I believe, Sarah, this is a word that you used when we were texting is this is a perfect window into a type of life and stage of life that we might not be in and other viewers might not be in, but has been portrayed in such a powerful, effective way um, that it's, it's an important film. And because it's uncomfortable, it's, it makes it even more of an important film. And I think, you know, it's easy to think that movies are just for our entertainment and are there to make us feel good. But, you know, film is art and um, it's, it's a beautiful way to help you empathize with mm-hmm. people that are, yeah, with a group of people that you may not know or maybe people that you do know that you don't understand. Because um, I think in a lot of films, it's, we think of motherhood or parenthood as, you know, it's hard, but it's mostly really, really good. And Mm -hmm. this film does show that in a way, but it really, really highlights just how difficult it is. Um, It's not like, like the Brady Bunch where she's, you know, everything's (laughs) perfect and great. And they might have this little problem, but it's solved really, really quickly. And everybody is great and everybody gets along and we're fine and we're happy family. Like, no, Sometimes families suck, and I would imagine that having a newborn sucks a lot of the time because mm-hmm. you're sleeper, you're sleep deprived, your your body is not functioning the way that it has in the past. Like you feel all alone. Like there's a lot of hard stuff, and this film really, in my opinion, highlights it very, very well, and it helps me to better empathize and get a an insight into a world. Um, that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think I think films have touched on this. Many films have touched on this. There's often the portrayal of the mother that has a lot at stake and they're juggling so many things and they're kind of keeping the family afloat. But they're often one of the many characters of a film. And in this one... She is the main character, and we are following it with her. We are right in the thick of some of those really stressful moments. I think of um, several in the film where Jonah, one of her, her son, is um, kicking her seed, and she's just trying to find a parking spot. And um, oftentimes, it's it's one of the many scenes in a TV show or film. But in this one, we see it everything from the beginning of going to school and the progression of him kicking her seed. Like we really sit in those moments fully instead of a small snippet or one or two shots or something like that um so I I, we we really get to soak in it I think with this film um and you're right the the purpose of film is oftentimes to entertain and a lot of times films have a lot to say and they can be entertaining but sometimes a film like this is kind of a breath of fresh air um, because we have to grapple with and um, we're, we're forced to be empathetic and we're put in a situation where we wouldn't normally find ourselves in and um, we have to kind of grapple with all, all of those pieces. Um, oftentimes when I'm out at dinner or at the doctor's office and I see a parent that is really kind of at their the end of their patience and they kind of explode on their kid and they yank them and you know hustle out the door and or they're very harsh with their kids um i i always find that really uncomfortable to watch but 
and I, and I, I'm always like, oh gosh, I, I, it's so, such a shame that the parent, um, has to speak to their kid that way or has to yank them so roughly, right? It, it always makes me cringe a little bit, but after watching this film, I think I have a lot more patience and understanding for how, how much they're juggling and how they're human too. And it, it's, it's hard to be so patient all the time and hold it together. And sometimes you just lose it. And we're, we're people that make mistakes and we have flaws and we're broken, right? So, um, I think like in those moments at the, at the, at a restaurant or at the doctor's office, that's one snippet of their life that I've taken and looked at and cringed at, but you know, there's so many more pieces to how they've gotten to that point that I don't know. So, and this film, I think helps us go along with that journey of getting to that specific moment or scene, right? So, um, agreed. Very, very powerful film forced to make you uncomfortable. I think difficult to market my goodness imagine mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i i don't envy uh that job of trying to market this movie um mm. and it um it didn't do very well in the theaters mm-hmm. um opening weekend it made 3 million and worldwide uh the gross was 15 million so it didn't make a lot um but it's also not one that would appeal to the masses. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they probably knew going into this, like, okay, this is going to be a film that's not for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's one of those interesting, I think about this um, often with films. It's like they are inherently a business opportunity and a Mm money-making product And a film like this is important, but it may not be a moneymaker. And how difficult it is for filmmakers and artists to be creating things that they're passionate about, that they believe are important, and yet feeling that other pressure for it to be entertaining enough to be marketable. It's a hard, it's a hard, uh, two factors to balance. Um, and sometimes the ones that are most important and most significant are the ones that are inherently not going to make as much. So I really appreciate that this film was made, was brought on by a studio, like props to all the people that advocated for this film along the way, because it probably wasn't an easy one to push through. So all of that to say, if you have not yet seen Tully, uh, stop what you're doing, stop this podcast and go and rent it and, you know, give these creatives some support. And it is definitely one that you'll be uncomfortable watching, I would assume. Um, but it is in the best way. (laughs) It's so well done. Um, but it's, it's so worth watching. Um, there's a big um, moment at the end uh, that really, man, it, it's, it's like that, that like secret sauce. It's mm. something that's so special and is so subtle um, towards the end. So what we're going to do is if you have not watched Tully, please don't keep listening to this podcast until after you've watched it. Mm. Um, we 
don't want to ruin that moment for you because it just, it gives the movie so much context and it, it adds another layer of, of depth to it. And so we don't want to uh, spoil that for you. Yes, agreed. So um, this is one that usually we, I think on Strategic Whimsy reviews, we kind of just dive in and assume that you've seen it. But um, And we, we do talk about plot points and stuff from the beginning. But for this one in particular, we've been careful to talk about the film in general and its impact on us and our thoughts and reactions. But yes, this, we don't want to spoil anything. This is one that we are giving a fair warning. Um, watch it before continuing to listen. It, And the other thing I would say as a disclaimer as well is um, stick with the film. It's yes. It's it's uh especially around the middle, you're kind of wondering where we're going with this, where what's the what's the film trying to say, um, but stick with it and there really it pays off at the end for those that have stuck through it and championed on forward. It's it's worth it. So yeah, all right. So we'll. Uh, We'll let all the folks that haven't seen it yet uh, trickle <laughs> over to, I believe you can rent it. We rented it on um, Amazon Prime. I believe that you can rent it on YouTube, Google Play. I don't think it's on Netflix yet. I mean, it's a it's recent not. film from 2018. So I think YouTube, Google Play, and Amazon Prime are your options. And I believe it's $5.99 on Amazon Prime to rent it and on YouTube. I'm not sure about Google Play. I don't really use that as much. And with that, I should we start talking about the ending while we're here? You know, I think, I think so. Okay. I think it's about that time. Alrighty, so maybe let's start with where were your suspicions before the ending on all the different pieces? What were the clues that you were picking up along the way and going Sherlock Holmes on it and trying to... <laughs> you know, put the pieces together of what was happening. Um, and then, so did you see the ending coming? Were you surprised? What was your reaction when you, when we got to the end? And it really is, I think the last five minutes of the film where they reveal. Yeah. Which is great. I love how subtly they did the reveal. Uh, it was just Ron Livingston telling the the nurse what Charlize Theron's maiden name is, and I it oh it was wonderful. It was so Just subtle in there. Yeah. and normal. It wasn't like a flashing neon sign and a full band telling you like, hey, pay attention to this point. It was just oh Tully T U L L Y, and then you just go yes, there it is, so good. Um, so the, the way that I went about this movie was, um, <laughs> I'm so curious. I don't, I don't know why I have to have a system for everything, but I have a system for everything. Um, so when I watch movies, it's always like, I, I have two little baskets and I take everything that is, that makes sense. And I put it into one basket and then I take <laughs> everything that doesn't make sense. And I put it in the other basket and it's like this whole basket of 
these things are important because they spent so much time on them in the film, but they don't make sense to the plot. So because I have this basket of things that doesn't make sense, they all add up to a twist. If you had to take a guess, what would the twist be based on all the things in your basket? <laughs> I love the brain, the way your brain works. Oh my goodness. You know, you got to have a system for everything. <laughs> so I was just watching this and going like, okay, so when, uh, what is her name? Vi sees Charlie's Theron and she's pregnant in the cafe. Like mm -hmm. that was such a charged interaction. And there was so much meaning and backstory to that. I was like, Ooh, that's important. We're going to put that in the basket of things that doesn't make sense. And then like, <laughs> Every dream and every like mermaid reference went in the basket that doesn't make sense. And then there was a few other things. Uh, I don't remember what they were now, but like I just kept compiling. And I did, it was probably, uh, I, I had guessed from the beginning, like first, I don't know, minute or two of the film that she was going to have a psychotic break of some sort. Mm. Uh, and then it took me, it was when they were in Brooklyn that I figured it out. So mm -hmm. it, it took me a little bit longer than it usually does to figure it out, but I did. And then when she went into the water, I was like, yes, I'm mm -hmm. right. The best. Um, but man, that reveal just, it was so well done to me. And that was one of my favorite parts in the movie was just how subtle it was. Yes, I love that as well. And then the the montage immediately after, I think uh, Drew <laughs> said Tully was all of these moments that the Tully character was in um, her younger self, and it was actually just her there the entire time. Her drinking at the bar, her driving, like it was just her. Um, <laughs> and Tully was kind of this imagined manifestation of herself that she had thought that she was talking to and spending time with that whole montage was so well done and they, mm -hmm. some of those moments that they had chosen for that montage were not particularly um i i guess memorable or iconic ones right it's not um it, it relies on the fact that you've been with the film and you're paying attention and you've taken note of these shots and these moments right yes um Again, films that reward the smart viewers, love them, love them. <laughs> yeah. So I think in your ba two baskets metaphor, which I love, <laughs> the way this is, this is so indicative of the way that Sarah's brain works. And then the fact that she's able to articulate it even more makes my life um, very much the, the strategic part of our strategic whimsy. But um the other thing that I would put in that basket that really in initially was just jarring for me is when Tully came over, this was back when we, it, it was, I, I would say halfway through the film, like it wasn't a later part of the film, it was like through in the middle and Tully comes over, it's nighttime and she's asking about, um, Marlo's relationship with Drew and how mm -hmm. their, their sex life is and, and then Tully puts on the old uh, waitress uniform that uh, Marlo used to wear and it's implied that she proceeds to have sex with Drew and Marlo is just nearby watching and telling her what to do. Like that that whole thing 
didn't make any sense to me and there was no explanation or they didn't mm-hmm. bat an eye at it at all afterwards. So um, that also goes in the basket for me of things that didn't make sense, but make sense in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. That, but yep. I'm that glad that that whole scene is colored differently <laughs> now for me. Yeah. And I think even the way that they did that scene was so, it was so tastefully done. Like I was, again, I was cringing the entire time going, Oh, I don't like this, make it stop. Mm-hmm. But just, there was so many layers to it, you know, like Tully was asking her what he liked and she was able to tell him because their relationship was deeper, even though, you know, it wasn't, fun and exciting like it used to be so uh, you just learn so much more about their relationship in that scene especially you know knowing the full picture that Tully is Marlo um, just the younger version of herself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah agreed Um, after knowing the ending of this film I wanted to go back and rewatch rewatch all of those scenes that I had read one way and now mm-hmm. it's like it's like I was looking at a square and now I realize it's a it's a cube and I want to go back and now inspect the sides that I didn't even see because I was just looking at head on and it was a square to me like every scene is now recolored so differently um for example the scene where um Marlo wakes up in the morning and she she discovers that there's cupcakes that are already made because she had mentioned to quote mm-hmm. quote Tully in her conversation that she wishes she could be the mom that made cupcakes for her kids to bring to school. Yeah. Like what a testament to Marlo as a mom who her her desire, which is a pure desire as a mom to make those cupcakes and she ended up staying up all night because she wanted to do that for her kids. Like it was not Tully being this great Um, night nanny who went above and beyond anymore it's now here's a mom that just wants to be a great mom to her kids and how has stayed up all night right um like all of those moments are now colored in a way that's a lot sweeter and yes she had to stay up all night and she abused her body for it but inherently her desire was so good and so pure and so sweet that I would love to have relived those knowing now right yeah, so. I think I think there are so many like special little moments like that. Like um like Tully was constantly reminding Marlo, um, like, okay, like say goodnight to Mia, give her a kiss. She's never mm-hmm. she's not gonna be the same when you wake up. Like she's always growing and like Tully was constantly focused on this how amazing this being is that is currently here that used to, you know, live inside of her. Like just that that whimsy and that free spiritedness that that um Tully brought that Marlo had lost. She had lost some of the wonder um because she was so buried in everything that she had to do in order to be a good mom. So even though, you know, that was buried in there and she, she loved her kids, she loved her family so much. It didn't always come out because mm. uh, she was so preoccupied with everything else. Um, and I love how they showed just how much Marlo loved and cared for her family, even though it was hard because I, it, it would have been so easy 
um, to take this movie to an extreme and make it like, oh man, she loves her family so much. And it's like overt and it's cheesy and cliched Mm. or, you know, she's the disgruntled mom who hates her life and resents her husband and all of this stuff. And I think it really had that balance of she loves her family, but it's also really, really hard. And she has moments where she she has to deal with things like regret and wondering like, man, why did I do this to myself? But she loves them so much that she is willing to sacrifice it. And they Mm -hmm. made her character and all of the characters in it so human. It felt just so relatable. Like, oh, this family, they could be my next door neighbors. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and Charlize Theron's acting. We can't talk about this film without talking about how she makes or break this film. Breaks her film. Makes or breaks this film. Like without her rawness um, and commitment to the character, this film would not have been as effective in portraying any of the pieces that it portrays. I mean, she blew it out of the water. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, oh gosh, and she she gained 50 pounds for this film. Like she, (laughs) she put her body through so much in order to play this character. And it really just shows off her range as an actress. Like Mm -hmm. I've always been a fan of her, but this just, man, it's just another notch in her belt or I, she deserves all kinds of awards for all the things that she's done. But this movie was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I was um I was at a friend's house yesterday and we just had the TV on while we were playing board games and uh, there was an ad that Charlie Theron was in. I think it was for some kind of perfume. I don't remember the it really clearly was not effective marketing to me because I don't remember what the product was, but I do remember that Charlie Theron was in it and she was like in this gold glittering dress looking so good and she had this beautiful face of makeup on, strutting down the runway with hair blowing in her face. And I was like I had just finished watching Tully literally the day before. I was like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) it made just my awe of her so much more and how she was able to play this mother so much better, knowing the contrast. Um, And that commercial was for Dior. Dior, yes. Dior, j'adore. Yes. (laughs) Um, Clearly, Sarah, they need you. To, to doing be doing the voiceovers. Where were you? <laughs> you know, I was occupied doing this strategic whimsy experiment uh, podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, but going back to kind of the humanness of her character, of Marlo's character, and how relatable that felt. I think oftentimes um, in films, the characters have this this clear desire for what they want, right? And we follow them in their arc and the narrative arc is them wanting this desire and chasing this, um, but coming up against roadblocks and opposition in the way. Right. And that's the kind of tension that we see. And in this film, there's no clear antagonist. There's no clear, um, opposition other than just the fact that sometimes life is difficult and for Marlo her desire is to be an amazing mom and her roadblock is herself and so it's it's this really interesting tension that I think is 
so true to the human spirit, right? Like we face the same tensions. We have this desire to do something, but our fear or doubt or um, something cripples us along the way. And for her, it was the the struggles of dealing with being a new mother again, um, all of the demands of life, having the financial difficulties, getting food on the table that isn't frozen pizza and vegetables, right? Like those are the antagonists in the film and that's not conventional. And I, I loved how creative it was in that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, um, a good balance to the realness of, uh, the Marlowe character is her husband, Drew Mm -hmm. played by Ron Livingston, who (laughs) is just, um, he is in your typical Ron Livingston role. Uh, which is great. He has his lane and he's running in it. Good for you, buddy. But um, it was just so real. And like, it's another one in, in a movie like this, they could have made, um, they could have made her a single mom and taken it to an extreme. They could have made or him sucks and or, exactly yeah. made him like distant and this terrible guy, this unloving father, this emotionally distant man. Like they could have done so much to take his character to an extreme and make him the antagonist, but he didn't. He was, there and he thought that he was doing you know he thought that they were doing okay and he I love that moment when he's talking to the doctor and he's like I thought she was okay and he's just broken by how he's neglected his own wife because he was like oh she's handling it she's fine um and I think that moment of realism was so it was so touching Mm -hmm. um but he was just a normal average guy just trying to be a good dad and a good husband and he was trying to provide for his family who didn't have enough money um which took him away unfortunately Mm -hmm. uh it was just I don't know the humanness of his character was so it was so awkward because I, I was so thrown off by it because I was expecting him, you know, to be the villain or to be awful to do yeah. wrong or, you know, I, just something to go bad with him. But it was so subtle and it was so real. It's like, oh, good job, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that is I think this is something that you had mentioned in our post film uh discussions just on our own just <laughs> organically but um it's something that you mentioned that i loved and i think it's a big part of this film as well is there is no clear path forward there is no um big change that this family is going to make now to then solve all of the issues that they've been facing previously and in that montage i think at the very very end of the film mm-hmm. there's a shot one quick shot of um him helping um taking care of the newborn and i think his daughter sarah is nearby and so he's kind of watching over them and beginning to help out a little bit more but inherently as if one of his main priorities is to provide financially he's going to be going on trips he's going to be out i mean that was a theme across the film a lot of the problems don't have a clear resolution and there's no um oh yes if we change this like we'll be good like we're going to be okay a lot of their problems still exist and that is so true to life. Sometimes there's not this big 
shift that we can make and then everything will be all well and back in its place. Like sometimes it's just going to be difficult moving forward, but there's a renewed sense and awareness for Marlo's well-being and and they can begin to work on that. But it's not necessarily this beautifully redemptive film where we get that satisfaction, uh, rush of endorphins in our brains afterwards at the close of the film. It really leaves it pretty open-ended. And I personally love that filmmakers are starting to more and more end films that way. Like, mm, yeah, because you too. I, in, in real life, you don't go through something and then, you know, you have a happily ever after and the rest of your life is easy breezy. Like, no, you're going to get through this and, you know, another storm, another issue, another hardship, another whatever is going to happen and it 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 leaves the viewer with this like oh okay it's still going to be hard but hopefully it'll be a little bit better um because now they're in it together and hopefully just the power of being with somebody will be you know more effective than feeling like you have to do it on your own hopefully you know these two characters will have better communication hopefully you know, she'll, she'll be able to rely on him when he's there a little bit more and he can step up in certain ways because now he knows she's not, you know, perfect and she, she does have struggles. So hopefully they go on their lives and it's a little bit better, but it'll still be hard. Yes, I, I am with you. I love films that really leave it open-ended. Um, I love films that have no clear resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ones that I love that does this is Manchester by the Sea. Like it just keeps it. There is no clear tied up in a nice little bow. Um, but people hate it. I remember talking about that film with a lot of folks afterwards. And they hated the fact that there was no resolution. They, it felt unproductive. It didn't feel satisfying. And... I think goes back to again what we were kind of talking about earlier is what is the purpose of film and why do people go to see films and it could be for a variety of reasons some of them are to be put into a new scenario and to really begin to empathize and get a window into what that is like and what that life and world is like sometimes it's to escape all of the things that this film portrays like the stress of uh, having a newborn and managing a family and all the demands. Like sometimes the purpose of film is to go and just be entertained, see this giant spectacle, go see a superhero movie. It's fun, <laughs> exciting. It's There's adrenaline and you leave, you come out and it was a little escape and you can go back to your life now. And um, they're different. They serve different purposes. But these, I think... I can easily see how films like this one uh, are harder to market, harder to enter the um, the realm of of uh, being financially successful. So um, I just I really love this film because it doesn't offer an escape from the things that we deal with on a daily basis. If anything, it portrays it in a way that makes you come in contact with it again. And the resolution of this film is a perfect example of that as well. It doesn't doesn't provide any clear hope for 
oh, yes, here's how they're going to change and that's this is how they're going to move forward. Um, kind of just leaves you with it and says goodbye to you and now you can return to your normal life. Um, so very unique. Very, very unique, I would say. Agreed. Yeah, and it, it was, you know, amidst the discomfort and the um, realness of all of the characters, it was also really beautifully shot. There were so many moments where I was just like, oh, that's just phenomenal, which to be able to take these, you know, mundane kind of moments and shoot them in such an exquisite way. Um, I give a lot of props to uh, the director for doing all that he did in this film. It really was, it was just, uh, it was masterful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about those montages, which I know we love because <laughs> we were talking, we were raving about them beforehand. But um, there's two montage, montages in particular that were so well done. Um, one of them is pretty first third of the film um, comes up where it's just a full on, I think, couple minute montage of Marlo in various moments where she has to wake up in the middle of the night, change the diaper of the baby, feed the baby. Um, and it, it's a lot of quick cuts and it begins to speed up as well. And you begin to feel the like freneticness and chaotic nature of raising a child. And frankly, for newborn um, mothers and that are sleep deprived and exhausted, a lot of times their memory might just be, oh yeah, the trash can, oh, like being in the kitchen late at night, the, that one bottle. So the frenetic nature and the quick cuts um, were really well done um, to kind of build the pace and build the, the, the choppy nature of potentially memories of newborn moms as well. I mean, I, I can't know, but I've been sleep deprived and a lot of things are just small snippets of my memories post uh, the sleep deprivation stage. And I just, I love um, how it was, you know, constant. And it was just this repetition of, this is just what we do. And it was, I mean, again, like in other movies, they would show maybe like one cycle of it, like maybe one or two. But this went on for a while and just showed how often she had to get up in the middle of the night to do this, how often she had to change the kid, feed the kid, clean up after the kid, get spit on by the kid. Like it was just uh, the constant repetition of it all just made me go, ooh, lady, props to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And even in that whole montage, it didn't even include her having to take care of her other two kids, right? Like that was just a montage mm-hmm. of her and the newborn. Um, she had a little boy and a little girl picking up them from school, putting dinner on the table, like all of that. My goodness. I um, This is kind of a small moment, but I, I thought it was, it adds to the whole, how intentional and observant this film is and creating small moments that strung together are very powerful. So um, it was the scene she's, kind of at the height of her exhaustion. She has a frozen pizza on the table for Jonah and Sarah, her two kids. And um, 
I think Drew gets home and she just finishes microwaving the like two minute broccoli in a bag and just like dumps it on the table. And I just loved that it showed her popping open this bag, putting it in the microwave. Two minutes later, it's done. She pours it out and she just kind of collapses in her chair. Like such a little detail, but that was so evocative to me. It's like she not only made the frozen pizza, but she's intentional enough to want to provide vegetables to her kids, but it's the two-minute microwave broccoli in the bag, steamed, done, pop it in a bowl, and she's collapses on the on the seat. So I, I just loved that minor detail. And there's so many of those strung throughout this film. Yeah, and the other um the other montage that we just loved that was also so strategic and um man it oh so well done was uh when Tully and Marlo were driving into the city um to go have a night out because Tully wanted to go have fun um and they oh man they cut through all of these different Cindy Lauper songs yeah and it was, oh my gosh, it just brought me so much joy that that is how he decided to tell us um, how long the trip was into the city, was through just these little snippets of songs. And the fact that they decided that they wanted to listen to Cindy Lauper the entire way, I mean, I love Cindy Lauper. She's great. So I was down and singing all of those songs to myself while I was watching. But um, it was, it was so such a creative way of doing it. And I love that Cindy Lauper was probably what Marlo was listening to when she was 26, which is how old Tully is. Mm -hmm. So it's just another smart little nod to, oh, wait, Tully really is the younger version of Marlo. And she was tapping into this younger self um, while she was driving into the city to go have fun and get drunk. Yes. Uh, another bit of filmmaking genius. It's so simple. I mean, gosh, it's not any complex shots or creative shots. It's frankly just a wide shot of the bridge in the car or the road in the car. Um, but something so simple that communicated so much. Just, oh, man, that was a great film filmmaking moment. Loved that. I think... Um, that whole ending uh, section where Marlo and Tully are in Brooklyn and they're out on the town, um, I think it's kind of when a lot culminates for both of them. It's when Tully says that she has to leave Marlo and whatnot. And there's a lot in that conversation, I think, out on the streets after they've both had a couple drinks and are trying to head home. Um, and I, I loved how raw that scene was. But one of the things that that they really bring up and talk about, and I think this begins to nod to the ending, is um, this idea of the young mentality and the middle-aged, older, or family mentality. And it's when Marlo is kind of, I think throughout the film, she longs to have that youthful, carefree spirit again. And she kind of wonders how she's gotten to this point. But I think in that, in that scene, she really communicates this in a way where you really see how much she desires to, and longs for that again. And you see Tully's gentle 
tenderness in responding to her and saying, what you have right now is beautiful as well. This so quote unquote boring life is you're creating a stable home for your kids. And there is something so virtuous about that. And that whole conversation and the whole scene, I think brings up this idea of the young mentality of your twenties, your wide eyed, bushy tailed about the world and what's possible. And then the mentalities of the older adult who's seen more and experienced more. Some of their dreams came true or didn't come true and, or they've had to make hard choices along the way. And, um, I'm curious what your reaction to that scene was and how you felt about both of those perspectives. Just what, what did you think? Uh, so many things. Um, I, uh, in my younger days, uh, used to be, um, I used to not understand like stay at home moms. And I didn't understand, um, like women who really wanted families and to raise kids. And, um, in my mind, I was like, well, why, why aren't you like changing the world? Why are you bringing more kids into the world? There are so many kids already here. Like I was just, I was so perplexed, um, by this desire that so many women have, um, to have children. And I would kind of, um, look down on moms, um, to a degree, which I don't do anymore. Um, I've grown a lot over the years and now, um, I just, I so respect, um, women who are courageous enough to, um, bring a life into the world and to devote so much of their time and energy to caring for this, this little being. Um, I think that's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's incredible and should be celebrated. Um, so I, I really, I really get where I, to a degree where both of them are coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I so appreciate that Tully was able to bring Marlo into that space of, no, this is beautiful and your sacrifices are worth it because these little humans are, are great and they're a wonderful responsibility and, they're so worth your time and your love and your devotion and your attention. Um, I really, really appreciate that, that this film went in that direction. Um, and I hope that she, and I think she, she does, but I mean, we don't fully know, but was able to find maybe more joy, um, in motherhood than she was able to before. And, um, my other hope is that like in small ways she would be able to like pursue her dreams, even though she has three kids. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to do with people is like, if somebody has a dream, no matter their age or their life stage or whatever, I want to brainstorm with them and like help them come up with a way that they can achieve their dream. And it's usually smaller and subtler than they would think. So even in the movie, like, Tully uh, asks Marlo, like once Marlo realizes that Tully is the younger version of herself, um, Tully is like, oh yeah, I just started learning Italian. Like, how does that happen? She's like, no, you don't get past, I think she says <laughs> good night or something like that. 
And so in my mind, as I'm watching this, I'm going, oh, Marlo, there's this great app. It's called Duolingo. Just download it to <laughs> yeah. your phone, like five minutes a day. You can this learn not sponsored. if you want. It's not sponsored <laughs> yeah. by Duolingo, but if you want to learn another language, it's yes, really it great. simple and it's free. So, you know, download it from your app store. Duolingo, if you want to sponsor us, that'd be great. But um, <laughs> it's just little things like that that I... I hope that Marlo would take like, oh man, I would really love to learn Italian. And she would figure out some practical way to like add that back into her life so that she could, you know, even if it's a small dream, like learning another language, which is great. She could start taking practical steps to actually achieve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. I, when I watched that scene, I felt so conflicted. Um, I I simultaneously so much loved the tenderness that Tully brought and saying like yes you you are doing something that is so honorable like to be able to raise a family that is stable and constant and what seems like repetition is actually creating a solid foundation for these kids where so much is changing for them and in their worlds like that is that is success and that is honorable in and of itself. So that was one side of me. Uh, I'm very much thinking about, you know how um, in The Emperor's New Groove, um, Kronk has like the two two versions of himself on both sides, right? <laughs> that's me. So that's one side of me. That's like, oh, that's so beautiful. Yes, raising a family is, I mean, it really is. And I do fully believe this. It's such a, um, a, a virtuous and honorable thing to do well. Um, but then there's the other side of me <laughs> that is sees this mentality that's often uh, people have, especially around my age as well, where they see their future years of adulthood as becoming less and less exciting and spontaneous, less and less um, filled with wonder. And they, they assume that because they're in these new nine to five jobs and um, there's so many responsibilities like insurance and bills and 401ks, right? That inherently things have to be safer and um, less spontaneous and exciting. And um, that ne- like there's a short window for dreams to be made and come true. And if you don't hit it now, like when you get a family, like that's when it's over. Right. And, oh, I'm so not for that mentality. Like I, I so want to, I don't want to adopt that myself. Like, and I, I know I'm coming at this very humbly because I am not at the stage where I have a family yet. And I do realize that there's so many, um, hard choices to make and sacrifices for your kids. And sometimes you have to choose between a dream and being able to provide for your child or your career and where's like ideal for like your career to grow location wise, being in headquarters versus where your family and your parents and um, your spouse's family is. And um, those are hard choices to make and there's trade-offs, but agreed with you that there are small ways to chase after our dreams and that they shouldn't have to die once you reach your 30s or your 40s. And that same spirit of being carefree and 
full of life and goofy and silly and playful um, that is so much characterized and um, linked to youth and your 20s, right? That spirit of exploration as well does not have to die. Like it's not limited to a decade. Um, I think I think about my mom a lot and she is 51, 52 years old and that woman is honestly sometimes more playful and goofy and silly and ridiculous than I am and it's been such a beautiful model for me that she has kept this childlike spirit and wonder and um, silliness that I love so much and um, it's rare in people that are her age and um, I think it's it's something that's one of her best qualities and it, I just think that those traits don't have to be limited to a decade and we should continue to cultivate them. Um, so I felt conflicted about that whole ending scene for those reasons. Um, so those were my thoughts on that ending scene. Yeah, I think that I liked the ending scene a lot more than you did. <laughs> um, because, okay, I have many soapboxes, uh, but one <laughs> of them is this idea that um, women can have it all and you can be um, you can be a mom and you can have your career and you can be healthy and skinny and your your kids can be achieving all of these things and you can cook a, a home-cooked meal every night and and your husband will you know feel satisfied in all kinds of ways and like there's mm -hmm. just this this glorification and this this myth of women can have it all and I'm like guys it's just not true um because we you always have to sacrifice something and sure you can have a family and a career but you might have to um you know get help in doing that you might not be able to you know do everything for your kids or you might not be able to you know, clean your house or cook yeah. dinner, like, you know, you have to make sacrifices somewhere, or maybe you only work part time, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do, but we have a finite number of hours, and a finite yep. number of, you know, energy and resources and all of these things. So I love that this, this film touched on that, and was like, yeah, you might not be able to fulfill your dream, but this is good. What you're doing is worthwhile. And, you know, maybe when our kids are a little bit older, maybe when the youngest one is in is in preschool or elementary school, she'd be able to go and start maybe putting more effort into pursuing her dreams. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, you can't you can't have it all. And I think that's okay. That's a, a beautiful way for us to embrace our humanness. Um, as uncomfortable as that can be, uh, because it's, it's beautiful and it's wonderful that we can't have it all and that we can't do it all and that we are not the end all be all of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even though we aren't able to do it all, we're not super heroes and super women that the dreams don't have to die. Like yeah. it may be deferred or it may look different or it might be um, instead of these gigantic dreams, it might start small first and 
you can invest when your kids are younger or, you know, like it, it'll take different forms. Mm-hmm. But I think the minute we stop dreaming is, is when things, um, it's just when there's so much potential for what can be done that is lost because we've settled that instead of trade-offs being made that we just settle in one camp, right? Um, constantly having to balance and battle between both both of these things is healthy and sometimes we'll fit in one camp and sometimes we'll go in the other when at different points in our life, right? In our 20s, we might have more time and resources to invest in our dreams and then maybe we'll shift when we have a family. But both of those don't have to be out of the picture. It just might be different forms, different levels of each. But I think I just don't, I just think that 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 wonder and the imagination and the dreams don't have to die. They'll just look different. Yep. I completely <laughs> agree. And that's, ugh, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Your dreams don't have to die. No, great. they just might look different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And to bring it all back, that's, that's one of the reasons that Sarah and I, love this podcast and it's one of the things that this every time we record this podcast it's a reminder like we have this love for film and this is the form that it's taking for us right now um who knows what will happen in the future but for right now today we love this film film world and we just um this is our way of cultivating that and continuing to keep that alive um just keep the fun and the whimsy of it alive this is this is what it's taking form as for us today so i just if you are still listening thank you um but if you have a dream even if it seems crazy or silly or childish or whatever like if you have a dream lean into that and just take a moment to be whimsical hello strategic whimsy experiment and just think about it ponder about it maybe share it with somebody that you trust Um, don't let that dream die no matter your age or your stage of life And then I just want to encourage you, because it's not just the whimsy experiment, it's the strategic whimsy experiment. (laughs) So find something practical that you can do. Take a little baby step today towards your dream. So if you want to, you know, learn how to cook, I don't know, get a, sign up for a cooking class or get one of those, um, oh no, I just forgot what they're called. Dang it. It's like the food comes in a box and it oh, comes Hello to your... Fresh. Also yes, not sponsored. <laughs> also not sponsored, but Hello Fresh. Yes. We're open to it. Um, get one of those. Like I can't cook to save my life, but I got one of those boxes and it was so fun for me to cook. And I actually cooked a meal. It was Hey-o. amazing. <laughs> so like just find like simple, practical ways that you can, you know, pursue your dream every day because they don't have to die. Thank you, Tully, for that reminder. Yeah, and it's something that when you feed, it keeps it alive as well. I mean, (laughs) while I was thinking about um, whether or not I should spend $5.99 to rent this film, I was like, you know what? (laughs) I am so curious, and if I don't – like just I want to know, and I want to feed this curiosity, 
and on principle I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna do it because I love film and I want to hear this review and so I did it and here we are now <laughs> so um but yeah dreams need to be fed passions need to be fed and it's when life gets busy and there's many demands and it gets tiring um it's easy for it to to begin to like a flame kind of um weaken so this is Sarah and I's way of just continuing to fuel our uh, bonfire love for film. <laughs> but um, we love it, and it brings us a lot, a lot of joy. Um, so that is our review of Tully, the 2018 film that came out in May of this past year. Um, we talked about and covered a lot. Um, we got to share a little bit about of our perspectives Um related to the topics that this film begins to prompt. Um, and we love that films are able to do that. It's the sign of a good film when it kind of just begins to introduce kind of the appetizer of topics that you really wouldn't ever think about maybe on a day-to-day. Um, and then the dinner is up to you and I to cook, right? So um, <laughs> this is, there's a lot, there's a lot here, but we highly recommend this film. Um any last thoughts, Sarah? I don't think so. I Come think that <laughs> Tully, okay, well, I said I don't think so, but then I started on a thought, so I take it back. Yes, I have a thought. All right. Um, I think that Tully is such a a perfect film for us to review um, on this podcast because um, both Jen and I are – uh, we tend to be more on the strategic side of things. And um, yes. the Tully character was so whimsical um, in so much of what she said and was so amazed at so much of life. And I think um, it was just a, I, she's just a such reminder. a good character and such yeah. a good reminder for us, you know, take a minute, stop and smell the roses, look, look around you, look, you know, see the wonder of the person sitting across the table from you or how beautiful a sunset is or, you know, whatever it is, the sound of a bird chirping, the smell of a flower, like whatever, you know, excites you, but actually take a minute and stop and just spend a few moments in wonder. Thank mm-hmm. you, Tully, for that reminder. Yes. So one of our first episodes was Christopher Robin. Yeah. So if you had to pit Tully <laughs> against Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> who would win? Know who I'm gonna pick, <laughs> Christopher. I don't know a uh, pairing in which I would pick Christopher Robin no, no, over between, another movie. Between between uh, Winnie the Pooh and his portrayal of Whimsy and mm-hmm. Tully, the character. Still. I would pick Tully. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Clearly, this was not a roast of Tully, whereas Christopher Robin was very much a roast. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so uh, I believe the last episode said that we were going to do Mad Men. Here we are with a plot twist. Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! Uh, We just fell in love with the film and couldn't help but not... We couldn't help not review it. So um, Mad Men is indeed next. 
Who knows? Maybe there'll be another plot twist. Hopefully not. I mean, we might fall in love with another movie in the next two days. Who could say? Who knows? (laughs) Just know that Mad Men is coming at some point in the near future. So more time to binge it. Exactly. We got plenty of time. We're going to review season one so you can get all kinds of caught up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Yes. We're excited. So thank you for listening in and hanging out with us. Um, We will see you soon. 